You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Dusumu is a Chicago Bull. I'm sure he thought about this when he was a kid growing up in Chicago. I always got to tell myself I was watching Michael Jordan grow up. He was watching Derrick Rose, another Chicago native. Of course, Derrick taking a little bit higher. is a little bit of a weight, but uh, the weight was worth it for Ayo Dusumu. Goes number 38 overall. Second round pick, so the contract not guaranteed. Uh, but as I've been hammering home, these early second rounders often get guaranteed contracts and the Bulls need guards and uh, I'm sure they will sign him to a multi-million dollar deal and I want to talk NBA draft I want to talk NBA and I want to talk Io DeSumo with Michael Tulip, my guy and Micah man I feel for you I, I want to get out of the way after an early exit the, these single elimination tournaments as you guys knew last year and as Illinois fans they're heartbreaking man but uh, one bad game at the wrong time so um, first time I've caught up with you since then so I just want to acknowledge that but I, I, th- I think it's great that you guys put this together and I know it's got to be frustrating that it ended that way. Yeah, we'll be we'll be back. Um, a lot of, I don't want to say soul searching. I'm not sure I'd, I'd take it that far over the last few days, but it, I'm telling you, it, it's been a it was a rough, yeah. you know, few days following it. I think ultimately, you know, you have the conversation like with with my wife. I mean, she knows how much time was put into it and sacrificing time away from her and. Uh, to, to try to put all that together. And I always say it's, it's an accomplishment to take the court uh, with everything that goes into it, but you obviously want to win. And I think when you look at, when you look at next year and it's always crazy talking year three, like two to two, three days after, but um, you know, I, I think I kind of told myself, I said, you know what? I would risk the feeling that I had after that game I would risk having that feeling again in year three, as opposed to playing the what if game and being like, Hey, let's hang it up. Let's not do it. Cause I, I, the fear of having that feeling again. Um, but you got to run it back. I think the only way to take that taste out of your mouth is right. to go and do it again. So we'll be back. Um, and I'm sure leading up to it after the 21, 22 season, we'll be talking about it again. You know, I hope people can, still support us, you know, despite the, you know, despite the loss, uh, you know, we're on the, we're on the cusp here of continuing to build this and, you know, having a full Illinois alumni team with a lot of the players that'll come available next year. So we'll dive into that down the road, but, um, you know, it's, it's always fun. It's always fun to, to play in that tournament. And the beauty of that tournament is as great as it was last year for us, like you can experience the other side of it. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be back. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, it was great that you guys put that together. I know how much, how much time you put into it, man. So uh, I was thinking about you and when, when that happened, but I know how much time I was put into this moment, right. And, and not to get selected in the first round. I want to talk to you about that, Mike, but um, what a moment it is. And I think it's even more special for him at least to go to the Chicago Bulls. I mean, Derek Piper's up at the party with a lot of media there tonight and we'll, we'll get Iowa's reaction to it. But that's a special moment for a Chicago kid. Uh, and we'll talk about the basketball fit, but I mean, we were getting nervous there a little, Mike. Like I was confident he'd go in this range, right? It was, I always thought it'd be 20 to 35 or 20 to 40. And, and he goes towards the end of that, but you're starting to get a little nervous as some of these guys are going off the board in front of him, but tend with the Chicago bulls, man, like that, that's a, that's a storybook kind of thing. It is. And I think the, the one thing that I'll, I'll get out there before we even really pull this back is to give people an understanding of, of typically how the NBA draft works. And I think it's, it's very easy to look at it and say, well, this guy went 30th and I went 38th, but I was a better player than this guy. And obviously fit comes into it, but you also got to factor in, there are a lot of moving parts leading up to, the actual draft when picks are being selected, there's trades that happen. And, you know, there, there was a lot of talk uh, of IO going 22nd to the Lakers. And then you see Russell Westbrook get traded and that 22nd pick is involved. And here's what happens. A lot of these NBA front offices 
they have their big board, right? So, you know, picks 26 and on in their mind, probably they're saying, okay, I would assume who's gone. Like from what we're hearing, he's going to the Lakers at 22. So we're going to, you know, we're going to get develop our big board based off of that information. And when these things happen on draft day and Russell Westbrook gets traded to the Lakers, 22 pick goes out the window for IO. It, you tend to slide because a lot of these teams have their big boards made up. And the, I think the worst thing to do during the draft, if you're high, if you're a top 10 pick, you know, you, you pick, you know, people call it BPA best player available. Yeah. Um, really what the Warriors did tonight with Kaminga and for IO that's where those slides happen is when you're slated to go, you know, 22nd, let's call it. And you have a Russell Westbrook type trade happen. And now, you know, 26, 27, you talk about the, you know, you talk about the Knicks, you talk about uh, the Denver Nuggets, the 76ers picked in that range. They all have their big board, right? You know, we're, we're picking Bones Highland. We're picking Quentin Grimes and, um, if they're available, we're taking them. And if Io wasn't part of the equation because they thought he was going to go earlier, he's going to end up sliding. Instead of going from 20 to 25, he goes 35 to 40 because all these teams have slated these picks. And obviously it ended up working out well for him. I think it's – you can talk about fit, uh, you know, from a schematic standpoint, from a roster standpoint, but I love the fact he's under Billy Donovan's tutelage, yeah. to be honest. I, I think that's a great marriage. Um, I think it's a Billy Donovan's a guy. He's you know he, he's tough. He's hard nosed, and I think that really uh, coincides with who Iowa is as a player. So beyond just what it is from a roster standpoint and how he factors into that rotation, I, I really really like uh, really really like the marriage there. But I, I just wanted to stress you yeah. know for anyone that may be listening to this questioning, man, how does a potential national player of the year candidate go 38th in the draft. And that's just kind of how the draft works. It, it's, it's a very, very, uh, you know, it, it's not this kind of surface level. Well, Hey, well, this guy's better, better college statistics, better X, Y, Z. Like they have their big boards in advance. This is what they've been doing. Yeah. Uh, not only just during the college basketball season, but even, even during these, these, uh, these pre-draft workouts. Yeah. One thing you kind of started to mention there, like some of the places he was projected to go, like the Knicks were a team that was interesting for him. Like I've talked earlier in the week about how I just loved his fit with Thibs. Um, and I like the idea of him keeping the orange and blue and playing in New York city. Uh, but you saw some other teams, LA traded out of that one with the Russell Westbrook deal. The Clippers traded up. Uh, I believe that was the Keon Johnson, right? Um, and then you saw Utah, I believe, traded out. Um, Phoenix traded out. Milwaukee traded out of 31. And those those were a lot of the places that people were saying that that's where he could go. And those were really, really good fits, um, I thought. But uh, the other thing is, this isn't about, like, what was your college stat line, right? Like, when Franz Wagner went number eight. And listen, I'm not trying to talk down to Illinois fans, but most hardcore Illinois fans don't seem to be huge NBA fans, right? They love the college game. They love the fan bases, the, you know, the, the history of it, the, the pageantry of it. And they love the NCAA tournament, right? And I love all those things too. That's why I love college basketball, but the NBA is a different game and it's a traits game, right? Like you got to have elite traits and talking with, all, you know, Mike Schmidt said it tonight. He's, he's got, he's good at everything, but not maybe that one elite trait. You could say transition, but that's a smaller part of the game. Right. Um, and then, I, I talked with Kyle Boone. He said B plus at everything, maybe not an A at, at one thing. And sometimes that can hurt you if you just have Franz Wagner, who's six nine and an elite defender, right? Or, or Franz Wagner, who can handle it six nine. Like that length and that defense are elite traits, and he could be a two way player. Um, so that's why a guy who wasn't as good in college, he was a great college player, Franz Wagner, didn't produce against Illinois. I understand that, but it's it's a different thing you're looking at. So some of these guys you've never heard of. Um, I know Kai Jones wasn't a great college player. I would assume he was a far better college player. But what do you project to be in three or four years? Can you be a star uh, in the league? And that that's what those teams are looking for in that top 20, 25 especially. Yeah, and, and you mentioned it, it's translatable. Uh, what are your translatable traits? What are your translatable skills? And for a guy like Franz Wagner, and, and you and I talked about this earlier, I guess in, in Illinois fans' defense, 
he didn't play well against Illinois. So 18 that's the only points in three games. So yeah, if, right. you, if that was all you saw Franz Wagner, you're probably like, this guy's not very good. I think he's not very good, but you look at him and you know, you're talking six, nine, almost six, 10, uh, great stroke can defend at a high level. Uh, he's a plug and play kind of guy, especially in the NBA. And, and you've even seen, you know, the lineage just with his brother, his brother has, um, I wouldn't say it's had like a overwhelmingly successful NBA career, but the dude's still in the NBA um, and he's clearly valued and he's now joining up with his brother uh, in Orlando. So, you know, it, it, it's weird because when you look at, you know, by, by some people's logic, you know, Jim Fredette should be an NBA all-star right now. Um, Lester Hudson, uh, you know, who, who played back in the late 2000s, I guess early 2010s average, you know, 27, 28 points a game in college. Like, well, he should also be, you know, it, it just, sometimes it doesn't work like that. And when you don't have translatable, um, you know, translatable skills, Kendrick Nunn went undrafted, but the thing that, that has propelled Kendrick Nunn to stay in the NBA is he is terrific in ball screens. Yeah, He's terrific. Like, and, and that is something that I think I owe, um, excels at as well and i think it's something that when he gets when he gets to the nba and has a chance to, to handle it and come off of ball screens you know illinois ran a fair amount of that i say fair amount i mean they're top 10 in the country if not top five in the country and in, in their ball screen usage and i think that's something that contributes not only just for io but you, know, you talk about the andre Corbellos of the world too like the way that illinois runs their system and being very ball screen heavy is something that feeds into prepping these guys to play at the next level. And, and I'll say this before we even dive even further. I, I've always been a big believer that talent and skill gets you drafted, right? But character and a personal investment in your own development keeps you in the league. And the thing for Io is that he checks those, those, he already, he has the talent and the skill, but he also checks those latter two boxes as well with the character and the investment in his own development. Because, uh, I mean, just to break it down, you got to think, you know, 38th pick, you know, ho- you know, hopeful that he cracks the rotation, you know, but if you're the 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th guy on an NBA roster, what can end up happening is as opposed to the guys that maybe go overseas or in the G League that are playing and starting and playing 30 minutes, uh, you can, there's plenty of NBA players that have had it in the past where, where if you haven't invested in your development previously, it's a shell shock when you get to the NBA because you're on your own. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of these teams, you know, you're, you're traveling, you're going from Atlanta to flying out to Portland to start your West coast road trip. So when you land, you know, you're going to do a light practice and then you're going to play and then you're going to go play in LA the next night. And then you're going to fly again to Phoenix and you're going to do a light practice and the development you know, guys can plateau. Guys can plateau. Like, especially if you're not a guy that's playing 25, 30, 35 minutes. If you're a guy that's at the back half of the rotation or maybe getting minutes sparingly, you have to have a focus on your own personal development as a player, any way that you can get it. Um, you know, some of that is just working with the player development guys on the team. Some of that is taking the, your own initiative. And I always go back to the culture that, that Brad Underwood and and illinois has created where it is a culture of development and a lot of guys aren't equipped with that when they go to the league and and that's part of the reason why they end up struggling so i think iowa is incredibly well positioned not only just just you know being at home uh but also you know he's comfortable uh, I'm, I'm sure he knows a few of those guys uh, on the bulls as well whether it's kobe white or, or you know some of these other guys i'm sure he's crossed paths with them and the comfortability aspect of it is another thing that I, I think can't be, you know, can't be talked about enough uh, as, as opposed to, you know, maybe, I mean, Myers went through it. Right. You know, I know I'm just kind of going off on a tangent talk, but Myers went through it. Myers is from Robinson, Illinois, went to Illinois, and it's like, hey, you're in Portland by yourself. Um, you know, he has that support system around him. You know, I see the videos tonight. I mean, that, <laughs> it was there at full capacity in, yeah. in, in that restaurant that he was at. So, uh, he's going to have no shortage of of opportunity to develop himself. And luckily, he's a guy that that is already ingrained in him. And that's what he does. So I'm excited. 
Why do you think he slid, if we want to use that term, to 30? Outside of the board thing you were talking about, like you see some of the guards that went ahead of him. And, you know, even even for me, for some of these, at some point, I was like, hmm, that's interesting. But I mean, all these guys were good college players. Cameron Thomas, Nation Highland, Quentin Grimes, Jaden Springer. Like this was a this is a draft where I think the strength was the top five. Right. And then you had kind of the middle that was okay, but I thought the the bottom half, like from 20 to 40 of guards there, uh, that was a really good group of guards. I think it was just kind of pick your flavor there. Yeah, I agree. And uh, going back to what I said earlier, part of sliding in the draft sometimes is just, you know, it's kind of just unlucky. I mean, you get a couple trades that come in and you slide because guys already have their, their big boards made up and weren't factoring you in because they thought that you were going earlier. And then it, on draft night, you, uh, I think a lot of those teams in the back half of the first round, you, you kind of want to stick to your guns a little bit. And, you know, you've done your research on this guy. You know, you've done, you've done all your homework, so you want to end up drafting him. And, and I also think for Io, you know, when you, when you factor in, sometimes age can play a factor into that. But at the same time, I think things are changing in that regard where it's not as taboo to take a guy that's a little bit older because I just think the shelf life for NBA players is a little bit longer now um, as opposed to, hey, we got to get this 18, 19-year-old because he's going to give us X, Y, Z amount of years, whereas you, you could get a, 20, a 23-year-old that could play you know, 12, 13 years in the league and, and be productive. So um, I, I think from an actual player standpoint, um, you know, I think Io's end-to-end speed – with the ball, especially, um, you know, you talk about secondary trans transition opportunities, secondary fast break opportunities in the NBA. Uh, I, I think that's going to be an aspect that, that he flourishes in, uh, especially with more spacing, you know, all of that factors in the, the big question mark. And I know he did it at a, at a pretty decent clip this year. Um, but his outside shooting, I think is going to determine his outside shooting and his ability to, to guard multiple positions is going to ultimately determine what his longevity is mm-hmm. in the NBA. And if he can, and if he can be just a knockdown open, you know, open three point shooter that extends that you, we talk about the three and D guys like that extends his shelf life. And, and he got to showcase that a little bit this year. Um, and he's going to have open shots, you know? And I think honestly, if, you know, if Vucevic stays in, in Chicago, like that's another big piece for him where you have a, a, you know, and no, no, no slight against Kofi, um, but Vucevic is a better passer. Um, you know, so passing out of the yeah. I mean, I I don't think I'm going on a limb yeah. saying that, and Kofi may agree with that as well. But you know, I, I think you're you're able to position yourself, and I think the thing that is going to separate Io is just from getting to know him a little bit and hearing everything that comes out of the Illinois locker room. There are some guys, especially second round pick, second round picks that, you know, are maybe eighth, ninth, tenth guys, and we'll see what he ends up being in that rotation, that aren't used to the role that they're playing and maybe aren't accepting of the role that they're playing. And I think that's when I keep tying it back to character. Like this guy is going to be able to come in and whatever role you put him in, he's going to do his best to excel in it. And that is so valuable for a lot of these NBA teams. Like that's what they're looking for is Hey, yeah, yeah. And everybody's everybody loves being the guy. Right. You know, like I, I I talk to people all the time where it's like, oh yeah, no, he was a great teammate. Like, well, of course he was a great teammate. He was getting all the shots. And like, what did he have to whereas like the guy who's the fifth, sixth, seventh guy, that's where you're like, ah, I like, didn't really think he was a great teammate because he's not accepting of his role. But Io is such a great teammate, um, such a great locker room guy. And he's gonna be in a different role in Chicago, but I think just his character and his ability to adapt and, and, and his investment in himself just from a development standpoint yeah. is, is really what's going to take him to the next level. But I'll, I'll, I'll wrap it back to he can knock down open shots and he can defend multiple positions. I think he's going he's gonna to have a you know, 8, 10, 12-year career in the NBA. Yeah, you're kind of almost like describing basketball character there, which is like work ethic, drive to get better, you know, attitude with your role, you know, not starting off thinking you're going to be a star because Io Dosumu is not going to be the star guy in the NBA, right? Like that, that's not what his role is going to be. But it reminds me of a guy you and I were texting about earlier is Jalen Brunson. 
was the star, you know, as a, as a junior on a national championship team, gets drafted in the second round, and what a nice piece he is next to Luka Doncic, right? Just as a, a guy off the bench, controls games, and just has a, a maturity beyond his years on the court. I think I think Io has some of that as well. Maybe not as good of a, a point guard uh, as Jalen is, but Io is obviously longer, can defend better. Um, and yeah, my, my thing, I think he could take another level defensively. Right, like I think there are times he is a, a defender that just wrecks havoc, and there are other times I think he can be a little bit better at that. Um, the three-point shot, like Mike, you're, you're a shooter, so I want to ask you this: He does have a weird-looking shot, right? Like it, it's it's a little bit lower in a set shot, feels like, um, but he did get a heck of a lot better during his career, and that that's what you like to see is that trajectory of improving your game. So, what what are the things you think he'll have to? To overcome to, you know, I think he's going to stick in the league. I think he'll make the progress. But what are the areas of progress you think he has to make? Well, you mentioned just mechanically uh, his jump shot. And it's, it's, he's made so many strides since even just since he got to Illinois. But, you know, I I really do believe that even if you have more of a set shot, even if you have, you know, more of a herky jerky release, which he's really shirred up, there's still a place for you in this league. I mean, look at Tyrese Halliburton. I mean, Tyrese Halliburton has the set shot of all set shots, and the dude shot like forty-five percent from three this year because he's because he's extremely savvy in how he gets those. And I think that's a very underrated part of basketball is learning how to position yourself for open shots um, and, and learning how to okay. And it all comes with chemistry, right? Like, okay, I know that if if Vooch takes this one dribble and wants to go left shoulder. You know, if I'm on the wing, I need to get in his view and shift down to the corner. I need to shape up from the corner. If you know, it, you know, to get in the view of the passer, and all of that becomes, you know, will be something that's a little bit different for Io because he's been more of, you know, more on the ball, but also, you know, driving kick threes. And and I think I'll also go back. You mentioned Jalen Brunson. You know, I've, I've known Jalen for almost a decade now, and um, very similar to Io in terms of his just willingness to really do whatever it takes, number one, to win, but just kind of be an all-star in his role. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what Jalen's been able to do. But also the correlations between what Jalen did at Villanova and what what Io did at Illinois, Jalen shared those ball handling duties with with Ryan Nacho-Diakno. And and Io shared those ball handling duties with with Andre Curbelo. So as opposed to being just this ball dominant, forty minutes a game, always had the ball, don't really know what he can do without the ball. Like Io proved that this year, that he can be effective without the ball because Curbelo was the one that was handling it a lot of times. And it's the same thing with Jalen. Now he comes into the league and he's got a Luka Doncic next to him, and he can be that off ball guy, like he can be that Derek Fisher, so to speak. And and I think. Io is is one of those guys too. Obviously, when you when you make a comparison to like a Derek Fisher, um, you know, I, I mean, just kind of being able to be in the right spot, you know, be tough, be gritty, um, knock down open shots, uh, and then be counted. I mean, Derek Fisher was a guy that that hit big shots in big moments, and I think that's another trait too that when you've done that in the past, you know, you're not afraid of those moments when they come, especially in the NBA. And there's going to be, you know, there's going to be moments during the regular season where you'll where you'll have a chance to prove that. And I, I firmly believe that that could happen for him this year. And um, it's exciting, man. I mean, I, I think it's weird, like the the change in, you know, energy where it was like, what's going on? Like, I'll like he's sliding and this and that. And then it's like, Hell yeah, he's going to the Bulls. Like you know, it's just like it, it's really funny. I think it's going to be neat for a lot of these people that are Illini fans that maybe you know don't see the NBA as much, but may have vested interest now. Yeah, watching the Chicago Bulls and Io play and like, hey, if you watch the NBA, it is a fun game oh. and it is a very very <laughs> intricate. They run just incredible sets and the just watch the defensive switching without even saying a word. I mean, is the highest, highest, highest level of basketball. And Jeremy, you and I talk about all the time. It's a beautiful game, man. It's just, it's, a, it's, it's a beautiful game. to just yeah. be like, yeah, I can't watch this. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, let's get, let's get into this, Mike. Okay. I just want to bring this up because there are so many, 
Illinois fans that hate on the NBA. Just just hate on it. Like and they talk about it like it's the like I lost like after the Jordan era, I was still like a young kid, so I was still like Elton Brand, Tyson Chandler, Eddie Crow. I was so into it. And then I kind of lost um, you know, a lot of interest. I got to watch it a little bit, but it just felt like the game wasn't as good. Uh, like the quality of play wasn't as good. Uh, the drafting was off. You're getting a bunch of high school kids in at that time. Um, but like, it's still just such an unbelievable game and it's more skilled than ever. The talent is unbelievable. Like if you'd have dropped Kevin Durant in 1982, like I just, I can't, they would be like, what is this? Or Giannis at that time. Um, it's, it's, it's unbelievable what these guys can do now. Uh, but like, I, I get it because it's it's millionaires, right? Like, so people don't like millionaires. It's an 82 game schedule, so some games the stars don't play, right? There's some flaws in the NBA about that, but once you get to the playoffs, man, or you get a big game between these good teams, it's it's the best basketball in the world, and and I think basketball is the most beautiful sport in the world, just with everything that's happening and see guys do what they do. Like Steph is ridiculous right and it's it's not just those guys it's like you can get a guy go for 40 points one night that's like a backup and it's the yeah. all these guys are so dang good so i get it you love your game you love college ball maybe you think it's more pure or whatever it is but that's not going to be the case anymore so it's just like i i don't get why people wouldn't watch the nba like especially after the finals we just had i i and i think you and I, I think, went on like a had like a Twitter thread going one time. Maybe it was like a couple of years ago, and I made the comment. I forget exactly what I said, but people tend to fall in love with college basketball because more error leads to like crazier things happening. Um, unpredictability, you know, right? Especially with the unpredictability, yeah. like you know, this guy turns it over. Luca Garza just went to the Pistons. Um, anyways, uh, but, uh, but the unpredictability is what kind of draws people in because it becomes more entertaining, so to speak. Like you have a, you know, you have a guy turn it over at this point of the game, like on an inbounds pass and, you know, it's mayhem and it's, it's crazy. Like the, you know, the Coke arena in, in Wichita is going nuts. Cause this guy just like, saved it under his own basket and a team laid it in to win. You're like, God, like, does it get any better than college basketball? It's like, well, I mean, that was a horrendous turnover. Um, but then when you watch the NBA, I think the one thing that I'll always go back to, I mean, when I, when I'm prepping for the TBT and maybe this, maybe this is like the wrong time to mention this given what happened a few days ago, but I have like a, in like a synergy edit of like 75 to a hundred out of timeout, you know, opening plays that are run in the NBA. And I truly believe like Jeremy, maybe one time you can, you and I can do this. Yeah. I'll just like share my screen and go through these plays and like what Brad Stevens was trying to expose and how he did it. And it's just like, it's insane. I mean, it is insane how, how good are at exploiting mismatches. And I think the one thing about the NBA that they do is for as high level as players are and how talented and skilled they are, they tend to also, you know, stick with what's simple as well. And what I say is like, hey, if Brooke Lopez is in the game and he wants to go into drop coverage every single time, drop coverage meaning, hey, I'm guarding a ball screen. I'm just retreating towards the basket, trying to keep my man in front of me. Like if Brooke Lopez is going to do that, we're just going to continue to to run a high ball screen to get until they take Brooke Lopez out of the game because we're exploiting it. And I think that's just that's how the NBA works sometimes. But the chess, the chess match within the game is just what is so neat about it. And, and, you know, you're talking about the the best players in the world, the most elite level athletes in the world. So how can you configure a scheme and how can you configure some set actions out of time, out of actions to be able to exploit these guys that are like at the top, at the pinnacle of their game. And that's what's so, I don't even care. Like I'll watch, I'll watch the Minnesota Timberwolves versus, you know, the Charlotte Hornets in the middle of February. And like, you can find some really good stuff watching that game and it's just it's amazing i even think back to you know a specific play you're watching in the bubble and the toronto raptors are on defense and if you can envision this norman powell is guarding the corner okay and mark gasol is guarding the is on the block his man is about to go into a high ball screen 
Norman Powell's in the corner. Marcus is about to go guard a high ball screen. Now, in order for them to not put Marcus All in the Brooke Lopez situation, without even saying a word, the second Marcus All's guy runs up to go set a high ball screen, Norman Powell sprints over to take Marcus Saul's guy and guard off the ball screen so that they can switch. Then Marcus All takes the corner, and after that big man rolls, the guy that Norman Powell switched with now switches back onto the guy Norman Powell was guarding in the corner, and Marcus All gets back to another big. So it's like that stuff that you watch, you're like, that doesn't happen at the college level. Not only does it not happen, but like to instinctively, like Marcus All just looked at Norman Powell and was like, go. Yeah. And they just did it and they switched back. And it's just, it's insane how high level it is. And those are the things that you appreciate about it. Look at this. <laughs> My wife. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Luca Garza just got fixed. She said, no, the Big Ten, by the way, is owning the second round. Owning. Second round, Big Ten territory. <laughs> owning it. Uh, just to run down, we're almost uh, done with the draft. But, um, all right, the second round, Desumu goes 38. My guy, Wieskamp, I, I love him. Spurs take him at 41. Livers from Michigan goes 42. Uh, Delano Banton goes 46 yeah, out of Nebraska. Nebraska guy before a Maryland guy or Garza, but Luka Garza just went at 52 out of the Detroit Pistons. We haven't seen Aaron Henry go yet. We haven't seen um, Wiggins go from Maryland as well. Yeah, I, I got to think Wiggins is, is coming soon. I think yeah. he he had a heck of a – his pre-draft workouts, his, his G League combine, his NBA combine. You know, I thought he, he really did – he really did well for himself. I think a lot of people like Bantam too. I mean, he's you, know, you watch him in Nebraska, and part of it too, when you're on a horrendous team, it doesn't help you. But his, you talk about like we go back to Franz Wagner. You could look at Delano Bantam and be like, you know, well his team stinks, you know, but hey, the dude's six eight, six nine, can handle it, um, long, competes defensively when he wants to. Like there are a lot of translatable skills and like that's the name of the game in the NBA. And it's the reason why Michael Carter Williams went so high. It's the reason why a lot of these guys um, who have that, the wingspan, the height, the athleticism, you know, the, the IQ, like those guys are going to go high in the draft um, and get drafted. If you're a guy like Delano Bantam. So like, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy for the big 10. Um, you know, having a good showing. I know they, they went, what, just one guy? Just just Wagner in the first round, right? It's yep. kind of funny. I think, you know, now you look at it and um, – The SEC had the seven. Round. Yeah, the SEC had seven guys. Uh, I do I do want to get to the Bulls, like how, how he fits uh, the Bulls here um, coming up. So let's do that. Let's take a quick break and we'll get to that. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news – you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, Mike, uh, we know a little bit about the Bulls. Uh, I watch them a little bit. They're, they've been frustrating to watch the last couple of years, but they did need a guard. They needed a longer guard, I think, to pair uh, next to Zach Levine, who's taken some strides defensively, but that's never been his thing. But he's one of the best bucket getters in the NBA. Vucevic is a really interesting player. If nobody's watched him, he's so skilled at the center position, shoot, rebound, and uh, really distribute well. It's kind of a point center, kind of like Joe Kim used to do back in the day. Um, but Jokic does it a little bit. He's got a little bit of that to his game and a really good shooter. Um, but So they're in win-now mode. 
but they got to go get a point guard. They're going to add somebody in free agency. So it's not like Io is their answer here, but they need somebody to play next to Kobe White, who's a little bit smaller. Um, at least he's a little longer than I think, but he's he's about six foot four, six foot five, but really an offensive guy, kind of a microwave offensive option. Tomas Sadoransky is is kind of their starting point guard, who's kind of like Io, but he's only got one year left on his deal. They're probably going to try and go out and get Lonzo or, or Spencer Dinwiddie or, or some free agent to, to be their starting point guard. But, you know, you look at Levine, uh, White, and and if they can add a Lonzo or somebody like that, that obviously would be tougher for, for Io. But he, he kind of fits uh, what they're looking for at that, that point guard position with, with two other off guards who really aren't point guards. Yeah, no, I, I, think, it's, I think it's set up pretty well for Io to – to come in and at least have an opportunity. I think that's all you really want. Like nothing's ever set in stone, but if you have an opportunity to come in and, and contribute in any way your rookie year, it's, it's a, you know, it's a success. I mean, you look at the, even just kind of their, their top five guys with Vooch, Levine, um, you know, Thaddeus Young, Sadoransky. I think the, the underrated part about Sadoransky, I was actually talking about this with, with Brandon Paul the other day. Um, I think a lot of people were comparing Josh Giddy to Sadoransky yeah. and Sadoransky is like Sadoransky is like a freak athlete. I think people understand that. Like he is a much better athlete than people give him credit for. And he's, and he's, he's tall, you know, he's whatever he is, six, seven, um, has a lot of size. Uh, but I think the depth on this team and Kobe white is like, a I don't even want, I don't even want to say an undersized shooting guard because the dude's six, five, right. Uh, right. he's probably one of the more like deceivingly six, five people, um, of all time. But, but he's a guy that can play with IO. Like, even if you, ha- I, I'm even envisioning a scenario and a lot of this comes down to, to guys competing on the defensive end, but there's a scenario where whoever they get in free agency from a point guard perspective, there's a scenario where you could have that point guard, Kobe white and IO on the floor at the same time. Like that's not, out of the realm of possibility. Obviously Denzel Valentine's going to be gone. Garrett Temple's contracts up. Um, Daniel Tias or Tice is, is going to be gone. Um, I know Troy Brown's on the books for another few years, but you know, I, I think, like I said, you know, his IO's ability to come in and knock down open shots and defend at a high level is going to determine just how much time he gets with this team. I think he's going to get time regardless, but him doing those two things is going and, and him remaining efficient in certain ball screen scenarios. I think those things are going to determine the difference between 10 minutes and, and 18 minutes or 10 minutes and 20 minutes. And, and I think that is a massive, massive gap, um, you know, but he, he's more than capable of it, but I just like the pieces that they have. Um, they're a good blend of, you know, you got the vets with, with I say vets with Vooch. Vooch isn't even really that old. Um, Levine's been in the league for a while. Thad Young's obviously a, you know, pretty seasoned vet. Um, you know, but then they got the blend of the, of the youth with Kobe White and Patrick Williams and, um, you know, Troy Brown's on the younger side. Uh, I, I like the mix that they have. And quite frankly, I like the mix that they have for Iowa to come in and, and kind of do what he does. I, I don't think, like we talked about, he's not going to be a starter by any means. Um, but you never know what can happen throughout the course of a season with, with injuries. And it's a, it's a really long season. And uh, I think the one thing that I think we've all learned with, especially with Iowa is like, you can't count the dude out. Right. Um, right. You just can't. So, you know, he, he has those traits that I mentioned earlier with the character and with the, that personal investment in his own development. And that's, that's so, so critical for a guy in his position right now. And, and I truly think that if he checks those boxes, you know, he, he's going to not only be just be in position to, to contribute for the Chicago Bulls immediately, but but he's going to position himself to to have a long, long NBA career. Yeah. So I guess for for him, um, you know, now that he, he moves forward, like who do you see in the NBA just for fans that might not watch a lot of it? That's a model for him of what his career could be like, you know, development wise. Yeah, I mean, I think the, I think the one that you hear the most is Shai Gilgis Alexander, um, and I think a lot of that is just due to the size and and that comparison there. Shai's a little bit of a of a better athlete, um, but at the same time, he's he's really carved out a role of being 
a guy that can be on the ball, handling the ball, coming off ball screens, and then being a the guy when a Chris Paul comes to town in Oklahoma City where he can play off the ball. And if you're versatile in that in that way, you know, you become a guy that can be put on the floor in multiple situations. And um, I, I look at another guy, even just even a guy like Terrence Mann. I mean, we talked about you know, you know, we talked about what he was able to do with the with the Clippers um, this year, and really like his bread was buttered when he's just knocking down open shots and defending and, and playing with high energy. Like his performance in the playoffs, like he wasn't reinventing the wheel. Mm-hmm. Like he was stepping up, knocking down shots, using his length, using his size, being physical defensively. And I think those are the types of things that, like I said, I mean, that, that creates longevity in the league. So you look at those types of guys, um, you know, and, and I was a unique player because you know, he's, I'm not gonna say he's like one of a kind, but at the same time we mentioned, and I, you know, I think, you know, you had put out the article earlier of kind of, Hey, he's got, you know, all these B plus intangibles and, and skills. And I think if he can develop himself into creeping into that a minus a range in any of those facets, like, again, he extends that shelf life. And, and I think he becomes even more valuable to, to put on the floor in really any situation. So um, the player comparison thing is always tough because a lot of that depends on situation. A lot of that depends on, um, you know, what your role is within the team. And I look at those two guys as kind of being like a, I wouldn't say like a ceiling and a floor because, I mean, even if your floor is Terrence Mann, the dude just had like 37 in, a, in like a conference finals game. So, yeah, I, I think it's all going to come down to situation. It's all going to come down to um, people talk about fit a lot. And I, and I think I'm, I'm really happy that he's going to an organization where you got a Billy Donovan that, that coached Shea Gilgis Alexander. Um, you know, so I, I think there's, there's some similarities there. And, um, as Aaron Wiggins goes off the board, um, to, (laughs) to the thunder, um, you know, there, there's a ton of similarities. And I think, I think I was going to be in a position where, um, it's a franchise that seems to really be getting their if you will, with their front office and with Billy Donovan at the helm. So I think that's all going to contribute to um, to fit into what his, you know, his longevity is in, in the NBA. Uh, do you look at this draft like I'm looking at the second round guys who have gone off uh, the centers? Because I'm thinking about Kofi. Uh, Nemius Keita from Utah State. He was seven foot 245, goes number 39. Garza goes 52, obviously a very different player than than Kofi. Charles Bassey, a little somewhere, not as big, uh, 6'11", 235. Uh, and a, a kid from Seton Hall, Sandro Mamakulushashvili. Uh, that's kind of like Georgie. Uh, 6'11", 240. Georgie's guy. Georgie's guy out of Seton Hall, yeah. Yeah, looks like Georgie a little bit too. Um, so, yeah, he was the co-Big East uh, player of the year. I, I mean, do you, do you look at that and think anything with Kofi or is it just a completely different thing next year for him? He's in a unique position because he's just – he's a unique player. And even when you look at a lot of these guys like Sandro <laughs> from, from Seton Hall, like he's – He's six eleven, and he's you know he's so versatile. Um, he's versatile in a way where he's not necessarily stepping out and just consistently knocking down threes, um, but he's a little more nimble on his feet. He you know he defends at probably a little bit of a higher level than Kofi, um, you know. But but even these even guys like Charles Bassey from from Western Kentucky or. You know, you keep going, you keep going down the list. I know we had mentioned um, a few of these guys that have gone tonight. And, and it almost ties back to the IO thing. Like if you're not, you know, if you're not an elite, elite, and, and, and Kofi has elite size, um, there's no question about that. Like you can't, you just simply can't teach those things. But just, and I've said this a lot, like just as these guards, just as the Kendrick Nuns of the world break their way into the NBA by being so efficient in ball screen situations offensively, if you're a big, you have to be efficient in ball screen situations defensively or tie it back to the Brooke Lopez thing. We can't keep you on the floor much. And I know they want a title, but like, you know, a lot of that, you know, you, you had to factor in, okay, we got to play Bobby Portis a little more. Like we got to have guys that are, and ultimately if you want to stay on the floor, you have to have certain traits where like, Hey, we can't take you off the floor. Um, 
and, and Kofi, Kofi's just in a unique position, like with his size. And it's tough to say, you know, well, he only does this, you know, he only scores in the paint and he only, well, yeah, I mean, that, well, I mean, if Kofi started just chucking threes, he'd be like, dude, get your ass in the paint. Like, wait, like, so it's just, it's tough because you almost, you can't have your cake and eat it too. When you talk about uh, evaluating a guy where, you know, right now he's, you know, second team, all American uh, did so much damage in the paint, you know, scored at a high clip because it's what is required of him for his team. And I also think it plays to his strengths. So, you know, you can't try to reinvent the wheel if you're Kofi. And I think that's a really dangerous thing to do. If you say, Hey, like, well, I need to develop a, you know, a 17 footer. I need to start making plays on the perimeter. Like, yeah. But at the same time, if you don't show that you can excel at those things, then you're, then you're actually dropping your stock even more. Um, but part of that is kind of dipping your toes in the water and trying to figure out if those are things that you can begin to excel at. And I think the best thing that you can do is just become experienced with those things. So um, I think it was a great decision personally for, for him to come back. Uh, NIL obviously plays a factor in that. Uh, but at the same time, I think it's a chance for him to really continue to get his feet under him in terms of what his identity is as a player. I think we all know what it is, um, but I think he's, he's going to be able to experience a little bit this year. Um, there's potential, you know, maybe they run some more five out stuff where they get him on the perimeter and that, and don't freak out. I mean, that doesn't mean that's Kofi jacking up threes and like turning into Nikola Jokic out there, but getting him comfortable being out there. And maybe it's a five out situation where you're running more drag, drag ball screen situations where, you know, the point guard can dribble down and instead of Kofi rim running, He's starting out, you know, at the top of the key, setting setting drag screens over by the wing and then rolling hard. I mean, that's going to be certain situations where you just have to feel it out. And I think as he goes through this year, um, and he looks like he's slimmed down uh, even more just through that pre-draft process, which I think has helped him a lot. And um, it'll be interesting to see his progression. Uh, it's hard because a lot of those guys that are pigeonholed into being – Hey, I'm just like this dominant big man that camps out in the paint and, you know, protects the rim a little bit. Um, it's tough because you don't, you know, you want to stick to what you're good at, but at the same time, you don't want to overdo it and, and start to overextend yourself into dipping into inefficient areas. Yeah. Like for me, I think of three things I want him to do. Like one is make free throws because he's shown he can do it. Uh, yeah, and, he oh, did, yeah. and he didn't last year. Right. Two is, is pass. I, I think that's more, almost more important than shooting 15 foot jumpers. Like I, I just think he's got to pass better and, and, and set up some shooters and, you know, um, you know, it's becoming more where a big man can initiate offense. Like kind of at the, at the, you know, the foul line there. Uh, the other is maybe like a baseline jumper, right? Like j just something small that you can extend just a little Maverick bit. Maverick Morgan. Yeah. Like just made, made a college career out of that. Right. Yeah. I just think back to that Rutgers triple overtime, the Mav game. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, all right. Let's get some final thoughts, Mike. Appreciate your time. I know it's late again. This is what we always do. Um, but my, some of my favorite draft picks tonight and not that the, these are top 10 picks, but Evan Mobley at number three feels like a steal. Like he just two way player. Like at worst, I think you got an elite defender who can guard everybody on the court. Uh, at best, I think you got a star, like a superstar in the in the league, like a top twenty, top fifteen player. Uh, Jalen Suggs falling to five to Orlando, who never has guards who can shoot. Like I think that's a really really good thing. And then I I didn't care where he went to, but he went to a team that really needs defense. But Davion Mitchell at nine, like I I don't know what his ceiling is in the NBA, but I just want that guy on my team. So I love those three picks. I don't know if there was any later outside of Iowa to the Bulls, of course that. That really got me going. But th those three picks, I just think those teams, outside of Cade Cunningham to Detroit, I felt those teams got to feel pretty good. Yeah, I, I thought, you know, you mentioned it with Mobley. Um, sometimes when I look at these these kind of wiry big men that have that skill, um, you almost look at them and say, hey, do they have a frame that you can build upon? And I think he has that. Yeah. I think he has, you know, he has – you know, kind of broader shoulders and, and um, you know, some of the, the Kevin Durant's of the world, like they just kind of are what they are from a frame perspective. But I, I think Mobley, and you can see even just with his brother, with Isaiah, 
I mean, like they, he has a, a frame that you can build upon. And I, and I, even with Jalen Suggs, you know, you mentioned it. He's a guy that you could probably pick like five out of the last 10 drafts. The guy probably goes number one. Mm-hmm. Um, he's that good. And, and I, they flash a stat just, you know, tonight in their 10 games against high major division one opponents. He, he led the, he led division one with, you know, 25 points a game against those high major division one opponents. So like, He's so special, and I, I even think I, I love love the Scotty Barnes pick. Um, and I know you look at his numbers; I think he's twenty seven percent from three this year. But he's a guy, and it's so valuable. He competes, and you can run offense through him. And I say through him; I don't necessarily mean like he's the guy, but you don't have to configure your offense in a way where you're like, okay, well, we can't run this because. But then that means, and it's the same thing with Kofi, like trying to figure out situations where Kofi can become a guy where you aren't trying to work around him uh, when it comes to having to, to get through your sets. And when I say get through your sets, I mean like, okay, we're going to swing it here. And then this guy's going to pop and catch. And like, if this guy is a non-passer, you don't want to put him in a position to complete your set play. Um, yeah, because the, the ball Scottie, the ball dies with Kofi, right? Like, and that's not a yeah. bad thing all the time, but it's it, the ball movement stops, so the defense sets, right? Like, it, and and Kofi's greatest strength is the it can sometimes be his greatest weakness because you look at you look at a guy like Kofi and he can command a double team right. and still score. Right. So that's the that's the problem. Where like some guys that can't score over a double team start to learn how to pass out of the post because they have to. Like that's their only option. But Kofi. Kofi's a guy that can score on two people, literally. And so he's never had to be like, you know what? I'm at a, you know, in a position of weakness here. I got to pass it out. But even just going back through the draft, like I was, I'm a Warriors guy and I wanted Davion Mitchell so bad at number seven. Like I just want to plug and play. Like we mentioned it with Wagner, like plug and play a guy that can come in. He shot out of the high clip this year. He's, he can guard at a high level. And I think, I think what makes these guys so valuable, especially Davion Mitchell, is if you can prove that you can guard opposing point guards, and it's a point guard league. I mean, there's no nights off in the NBA from the point guard position from a from a defensive standpoint. Um, but I love Chris Duarte as well. I think that was a great pick um, for the Pacers. Uh, even just going back to the, the rest of the first round, Josh Christopher was like an absolute shock, um, you know, for the Rockets there towards the end. Uh, Bones Highland out of vcu actually i really like that pick for the nuggets i think there's there's great value there um as aaron henry agrees to a two-year deal with the 76ers nice. or a two-way deal sorry um but even even i thought that i thought for the nets being such a great team as constructed i thought they got better tonight i mean you cam thomas is a guy that you know although like the splits may not be there like the dude is just a born scorer and and they tried to plug in mike james to that role here in the playoffs. And now, now you got a guy with even more size that can score at a high clip. You, you know, you get rid of Landry Shamit, he goes to Phoenix. Uh, so you need another guy that you can plug and play that can knock down shots. But then they get Dayron Sharp too, who, you know, is arguably the best rebounder in the draft. And you add more toughness to this Nets core that just has skill for days. So I really like what the, you know, what the Nets did in, in the draft and, um, but round two was so much. Round two was so much fun. You talk about Jason yeah. Preston going off the board. Uh, just his story is uh, is incredible. I love I love the pairing of Miles McBride in New York with Tibbs. We know we talked about that with Iowa, but there's another kind of blue collar guy that um, Jared Butler. I mean, how about him? I think he ended up. I think he ended up with the Jazz. Um, what a what a pickup that is at forty. 40. Um, it's insane. I mean, I like, you know, you look at levers as well. Um, you know, Zigorowski goes, you know, a lot of these guys that I was actually working out with for pre-draft camp all really got drafted. So I'm sure that's another thing that, that he's excited about tonight. And um, overall, I thought it was a good showing for, for not only just, um, you know, really just for the big 10. I thought the big 10 just kind of really rounded out the draft there. Joe Wieskamp, we talked about it. Uh, really high on him with his, you know, 42 inch vertical leap or whatever it ended up being, uh, can shoot the heck out of it. And I think you and I were both talking earlier, like expect, I mean, you talk about him playing with the Spurs as well. 
I mean, I, you talk about ball movement. You talk about finding him for open shots. Like, I think he's going to have, um, I think he's going to have a pretty standout rookie season as well. Uh, one more, the biggest news of the night in the NBA, which this is full of MLB trades for people who care like me yeah, right. uh, as well. Is Russ to the Lakers so crazy it'll work, or is it so crazy that it's going to fall apart? Like, I this is, I. I think it's really intriguing because him with AD and LeBron, like especially for a regular season, makes a ton of sense. I'm really interested to see how it works once it gets to the playoffs. Just as I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see how the, the Nets still work once that gets to the playoffs and if they're all healthy. Yeah, I, I, the Russell Westbrook thing. I mean, I, I'm personally not crazy about it. Um, I and part part of that is just I'm not I'm not crazy about Russell Westbrook. Um, and that's nothing against him or, you know, he, he obviously has the ability to, to fill the stat sheet. Um, but come playoff time, you know, things can get really stagnant with him. His, his shootings are, are typically not great. And I think if you're going to pair, it, it's the reason why Kyrie and LeBron worked, um, is because Kyrie is such an efficient offensive player so that when LeBron ends up being the one that's kind of taking the bulk of those, um, you know, I guess initiating the offense and uh, having the ball in his hands. Uh, you look at those Cavs teams over the years, and I'm speaking just really kind of what tends to work with LeBron is when LeBron had like the LeBron teams are ki- typically constructed in in one way. You have you know two two other superstars or maybe one other superstar, and then you really fill the rest of the team with vet guys that can knock down open shots. And that's why the, the the Russell Westbrook aspect of it is just intriguing to me, and intriguing in a way that like I I, I got to see it to believe it that it's going to really work. And I say really work. I mean I don't know. I mean I think they can make a conference finals most likely. They, I mean they still have LeBron James, even though I think I thought LeBron took a slight step back this year. As crazy as to say that, finally. Um, Right, just yeah. he's human. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he's what it's, it's the 18th year in the league, yeah. whatever it is. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I, I think that team and the way that it's constructed, can you really rely on Anthony Davis to be healthy for an entire regular season, for an entire playoffs? Um, LeBron's going into his, I think, going into his 18th season, um, or 19th season, one of the two. I mean, either way, you know, he's getting towards towards the end as crazy as to say but um and then Westbrook is just kind of a guy that ends up being for a guy that leads the league in assists like he can be a ball stopper sometimes and and a lot of the LeBron James offensive are are a little more I don't want to say free-flowing because a lot of it runs through and is dictated by LeBron James so when you're Russell Westbrook like the space, the space tends to be a little more condensed on the floor because if you're LeBron, you're looking for those open gaps. You're looking for open men. You're looking for gaps to drive. And if Russell Westbrook's on the floor with you in an off the ball capacity, defenders can shrink the floor. So that's when playoff time, it becomes a huge, huge question mark. Um, like I said, I mean, we talk about Iowa, like it's tough to, it's tough to count out Iowa. It's, I mean, it's tough to count out, LeBron James, right. <laughs> it just is like it, it's. Yeah. Uh, he, he tends to figure it out, and he's so savvy and smart in the way that he kind of ha- puts his fingerprint on different things. So I'm not like I'm not over the moon about the Russell Westbrook to the Lakers. I, um, you know, I, I'm actually really interested to see what the Warriors do as well. Um, I don't think that they're, you know, out of the woods yet in terms of their off-season moves and and i i'm i personally think that the warriors are gonna be right back up there next year with the way steph was playing clay coming back uh draymond's really draymond's not the draymond of 2015 2016 um you know but the the one thing the one thing draymond does is mercilessly feed steph so i'm always on board for that i'd I'd love to see ben simmons there like if if people are that low on him now like i I just love that fit there but yeah i like the russell westbrook move for the regular season i I, once it gets to playoff time like he russ is gonna bring it that's the one thing you know about russ like russ is gonna bring it every night and i think it's going to be exciting in the regular season i think with the lakers found that's more important you know if you can they they flew a little too close to the sun, I that's a and that's no pun intended. Right. Um, but they end up getting seven seed. 
and you're thinking, all right, we're the, you know, we're the Lakers. We'll figure it out. You know, we got, we got Bron, we got AD and like you know, the Suns didn't care. And like home court advantage is a real thing. And I think having that precedent setting was like, Hey, we need to perform in the regular season. Cause we don't want to be a seventh seed again. Like that, all of that is, is, you know, extremely important. And, and I don't know that you met the Ben Simmons thing is interesting because Honestly, and this hurts me because I'm like I said, I'm like a I'm a Warriors guy to my core. If there's a Ben if Ben Simmons ends up on the Warriors, I'm not sure Draymond Green's still there. I agree. As as crazy as that sounds, I'm not you can't I, you can't as much as Steph and Clay space the floor, you can't you really just can't have Draymond and Ben Simmons being two guys that kind of just negate it. With, with the way that they don't stretch the floor. Um, and they make great plays, they're great defenders, but um, I'm not one for the the crazy like Ben Simmons talk. Um, I think his floor is incredible. Right. I mean, you talk about his floor, he's a guy that, he's 6'10", a guy that can play make and is a first-team all-league defender. Like, sign me up. Right, May it, not it, feels like, it feels like everyone it. thinks he stinks now. And it's like, no, he's a top 30 player, who's one of the best defenders in the league. It's just he can't be the the top 2 guy in a championship team probably, right? He's not he's yeah. not the he's not the initiator. He's go like him and go bear are similar in that like, hey, if that guy's your number 2 guy, you're probably going to have trouble getting to a championship, but if he's your 3 guy, oh man, he's a, he's an unbelievable value. Yeah, no question. I I think the way that these teams are constructed now like you have to have balance and I think in part of it too is it's going to be a change of scenery for a guy like Ben Simmons. Um, you know, and, and whether or not he is going to take ownership, I mentioned it with IO and this kind of like full circle thing, the guys that have, and I'm not saying Ben Simmons isn't going to have a long shelf life in the NBA because he is, cause he does, you know, he has those translatable skills, but you know, he's a guy that I've heard, you know, through the grapevine doesn't invest as much in his own personal development. And that's, that's the whole point. Like, it, you know, if you don't do that, it's hard to to fix those things, but I'll I'll tie it back here because this is a point that I always like to make with with guys that struggle to shoot the ball. It can be because I saw it, and I'm not gonna like name names of certain guys that I played with in my career, but it's it's weird how the guys that don't shoot the ball well tend to be the guys that aren't in the gym as much working on their shot, and you could say like, oh, it's a work ethic thing, like. You know, that's why he's not a good shooter. Well, yeah, maybe that's a factor. But at the same time, it is very demoralizing when you aren't a good shooter going into a gym and seeing yourself miss a bunch of shots. So so people naturally shy away from that. Like, I, I'm not interested in going and shooting on the gun and shooting 48% and watching myself miss and having the ball pop out and going to chase it. So, like, I'm just not going to go shoot. Right. And it ends up just being this cycle um, of struggling to really, you know, break to build. And a lot of these guys, you know, I don't say a lot of these guys, but there are people in this world, doesn't matter if it's basketball or whether it's your job or whatever it may be. Some people are afraid to do that break to build because that one, that those two steps back to take, take four forward. Like you don't want to see yourself when you're taking those two steps back because it damages your confidence and it damages um, how you view yourself. And that can be what hinders a lot of these players. And I think that's part of what Ben Simmons is going through is like, yeah, well, shoot, I know I want to, yeah, I want to be a good three point shooter too, but I also don't want to go into the gym and see myself miss for two straight hours. So he can, he'll write the ship. Like he's, he's a good enough player. He's skilled enough to, to have a long NBA career. And I think he just needs to find his niche on a team where he's not, counted on and putting this having the, the city on his shoulders and i think whether that's the golden state whether that's a portland um like i think those are those are both good spots for him to flourish yeah another reason to watch the nba right now uh, for people who don't is because it is unpredictable i think like yeah i think brooklyn has the best odds if they're healthy and i think the lakers and clippers are really really good but Milwaukee's good phoenix has another season like dallas is coming right and luca and doing what he's doing uh, Portland, uh, another place I'd love to see Ben Simmons if he wants to go there. Like, is really, really good. Um, Philadelphia still, if they make a move and make the right move, they could do it. So, like, th- I, there's so many teams that can win a championship, Mike. And, and I'll make I'll make this point too because 
I think what the Suns did this year, you know, going from not making the playoffs to going to the finals, I think that was like a little bit of fool's gold. And when I say fool's gold, like they're a great team. I think you look, you got DeAndre Aiden's a future all-star, if not next year. Um, Devin Booker's an all-star. Chris Paul's an all-star. Um, but I think what that's what the Suns are going to end up doing is convincing some teams that they're closer than they than they think, yeah, or than they're, that they're closer they than they are. Right? I mean, they went through a, a Jamal Murrayless Nuggets, a Kawhi Leonardless Clippers, a Anthony Davisless Lakers. Right? Like, so they got some breaks along the way. Yeah, and of course, and like that that's that always happens. Like when you get to a championship, but or when you get to the NBA Finals. But I think what what the Suns might end up doing, and I think honestly Portland did it a couple times too, where they made the conference finals, but it'll fool some front offices into thinking that like, oh no, we're right there. Like we just need we need to go go out and get this free agent acquisition and then we'll be right where the Suns were, you know, up two oh in the NBA finals. And that's typically not how it works. I mean you talk about the injuries the Nets had, the injuries the Warriors had, like it was a very, very off kilter Right. year and now all of a sudden it's like oh no these guys are back now um you know the bucks look the bucks obviously won a championship and if they keep that core together they'll be right up there competing in the east again like it is not easy to just be like oh no we're close you know don't and i'm not saying blow it up but you know it, it's i i the sun's thing is interesting to me because i think an element of it is you know the suns aren't just like some crappy team that made a Cinderella run. Like they, those, that team's got some dudes. I mean, you go down the list. I mentioned it. DeAndre and Devin Booker, Chris Paul, Jay Crowder will help you win no matter where you're at. Jay Crowder was in the finals last year. Um, and then you got Cam Johnson, who is, you know, Cam Johnson and Michael Bridges are so invaluable. And I honestly wish that the Bulls had one of them because, and I, I say that just because they are so elite catch and shoot threes and cutting and like those two skills are so so valuable and they defend those if you can do those three things at their size and with their skill level like shoot you'll end up in the nba finals like it's just kind of what happens but awesome well hey mike appreciate it man i I knew we'd have fun talking some hoops and uh maybe maybe more uh a lot of fans will watch a little bit more of the nba sadly it might be more chicago bulls games hey that's okay like nikola vucevic and and zach levine are pretty fun to watch but uh great for io to, to land in chicago and these draft nights are always so much fun to see these guys dreams come true and uh thanks for breaking it down man we appreciate it as always yeah what a night man it was fun it was awesome uh awesome chat with you man as always Love talking ball with Michael Tuop. Hope you uh, enjoy it as well. And I would assume it was a Chicago Bowl. Like I know it was fretting along the way, but uh, that's pretty cool. That That's pretty cool. And, yeah, you know he's going to have his chip on his shoulder, and I already saw Arturis Karnaschovas already talked about that, the uh, Bulls team president. So they're hoping they got that. But I think they got a first-round talent uh, early in the second round, which often you can find. And I think he can turn into a pretty good uh, NBA role player who can, who can find his way and stick in the NBA and have a good, long career because you know he's going to get better. You know, with Iowa, it's never going to stay uh, complacent and never going to stay in the same place. He's going to continue adding to his game and max out his potential. And he, he certainly did that with Illinois. Now he doesn't have to leave the state, doesn't have to leave his family too far, and uh, gets to play for, for the team he grew up rooting for. So that, that's really cool. And how about Chance the Rapper showing up? Uh, that's going to be awesome. Derek Piper was up at the draft party. He'll tell that story at Illini Inquirer. We'll have much more on Iowa DeSumo being Chicago Bull up on the site very shortly. Thank you for listening to the Illini Inquirer podcast. Everybody have a great weekend. Take care of each other. And we'll talk to you next time on the Illini Inquirer podcast. <laughs>